Welcome to the podcast where heavy industrial industries meet the venture capital ecosystem, interviewing both thought-leading investors and pioneering founders to better understand the opportunities and challenges that lie ahead for digital industrial innovation. Your host is Ty Finley, and this is the Heavy Hitters Podcast. Brent Baltimore joins us today from Los Angeles. Brent is a principal at Graycroft, where he focuses on early-stage enterprise software and leads their built-world thesis efforts. Prior to joining Graycroft in 2017, he had operating roles in multiple startups, including Numenta and Operator. And before startups, he kicked off his venture career at Detroit Venture Partners, and he began his career as an investment banker for Credit Suisse. Brent is also a member of the Kauffman Fellowship and a Black VC LA board member. He has invested in several digital industrial innovators, including OneBuild, Mapped, and Craft. Brent, hey, it's great to have you on the show, my friend. Welcome to the Heavy Hitters. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ty. Appreciate it. Right on. Well, let's start with your background. What led you into this world of digital industrial venture capital investing, as I coined it? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's been a um, it's been kind of a winding journey. Um, so I've uh, prior to, prior to Graycroft had started my career in more traditional finance and, and investment banking, um, and then very randomly got introduced to the world of venture capital and frankly just fell in love with it so uh kind of cut my teeth at detroit venture partners and then um you know kind of took the the operating path for a bit i've, I've been with the firm here for just about four years um and uh you know as a firm we, we've kind of looked in and around the uh the the real estate and kind of prop tech space for many many years um and about two three years ago um getting introduced to the world of like access management, more physical access management. And that was kind of like our first um, entry into buildings and, and just got really, really passionate about that um, and spent the, you know, kind of the, the following year and a half diving into the space, talking to, you know, anywhere from man materials manufacturers to space, uh, building space owners, asset owners. Uh, we had a fortunate opportunity with the partners here was on the, um, the board of Boston Properties for, you know, well over a decade. Um, so a lot of our, uh, you know, my, my initial um, entry into the space was was through that lens. Cool. Well, we're going to come back to define built world in a little bit more granularity here in a second. But maybe as, as we kick off here, set the stage for our listeners. Um, tell us a little bit more about Graycroft generally, uh, the fund's investment strategy overall, and, and finally, more more about where you're specifically spending your time. Definitely, definitely. So uh, the firm's been around for about 15 years. And we are currently investing out of our sixth early stage fund um, and our third growth fund. Uh, so we're based in Los Angeles and we have a, an office in New York City as well. Uh, with that said, you know, most of our investments are actually outside of the coast. So um, as a firm, probably about 75% of our domestic investments are outside of the coast. And then um, overall, we're probably about 80% domestic, 20% uh, uh, kind of overseas. Um, within that, we're about 50% enterprise, 50% consumer. Um, and then on the enterprise side of the house, which, um, which is the team that I'm on, uh, we kind of break that team down to four specific sectors. So we have a enterprise software team, we have a FinTech practice, healthcare, and then we have the consumer uh, side of things. And then underneath that, um, in terms of kind of where I'm, I'm spending time, each underneath each sector team, I have a very thesis-oriented approach. Um, and, and principals and partners typically own uh, that thesis as a lead investor in, in, in that particular space. And so for me, the vast majority of my time 
um, I spend uh, in what we call built world. And to kind of maybe further define that, um, we basically uh, it's everything from pre-construction construction to kind of building technology. So call it materials and, and supply chain. Uh, you know, we've looked at like kind of AEC design management, uh, construction management, um, you know, and then on the the building side of things, um, smart buildings and, um, and kind of more around the facilities management, um, data infrastructure for buildings more on that end. Gotcha. Well, world-class fund, obviously, and I love that the, there are the thematic uh, focus groups underneath it. Got to give a shout out to your your partner, Will, over there handling up the logistics side of it. So we're going to we're going to piece this apart a little bit more on the built world today. But OK, so Greg Croft, storied VC firm, been around since 2006, I believe now 10 investment vehicles, 2 billion in commitments across them. So great platform. Um, aligned to our chat and ongoing discussions, and as you mentioned, you recently took on this new sector, folks, around Built World. And so Built World obviously comes with some nuances. I appreciate you kind of breaking it apart. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of buzzwords around prop tech or construction tech, et cetera, that, you know, you guys are kind of coming at all of it. But the question here is, so why was the time now to focus on the Built World ecosystem? And and, and so just give us some more color on what you saw in the macro tailwinds to, to get you excited about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and there's been there's been a ton out there, right? Um, I think one uh, over the years, what I've seen is is frankly just like a, a groundswell of of entrepreneurs that are building not just best in class folks, but best in class folks that are building in particularly in this space, um, right? Always I starts think. with the talent, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent starts with the talent, um, and and. After noticing that and then realizing, hey, you know, there were a number of exits back in you know, 2017, you know, the Aconex plan grids of the world, what have you, that are now, you know, coming back as the angel investors and early stage investors in these companies. Um, and just as it's kind of like from a pattern matching perspective, that was kind of the first, uh, you know, sort of uh, clue or, or or signal rather that. Um, that there was something here to be to be looked at, um, and then after kind of going deep, you know, I spent you know several months really just talking to you know again like large manufacturers in the in the space, asset owners, just really trying to understand, you know, what was happening. Uh, we took a lot, uh, I took a lot of interest, just trying to uh, you know kind of dive into the, the the CM model and and how that's changed over the last you know five to six years. A lot of these larger even technology firms as well, building their own, especially on the construction side, their own teams internally, right? Um, it, so there's a lot of interesting, uh, just you know, trends like that happening in the space. And then of course there was a ton of uh, you know vertical specific firms, uh, you know, like Iron Spring, right? That have have come and decided to you know focus specifically here. And I think. For us, in terms of having the range from you know kind of a, a seed focus um, through uh, through some of the more the growth stages, I think those are you know some of the things that we look for in terms of you know deciding, hey, look, you know, are, yes, are there real problems, um, but is the talent there to solve it? Is there an ecosystem there to support that talent, um, and, and can we be helpful at the end of the day? Hundred percent. And, and just to be clear, so when we talked earlier about Built World's definition to you guys. Construction tech and prop tech sound like they both fit in there. I anything else to that, Brent, or those two kind of the collective buckets as as folks reach out to you? Yeah, yeah, those are, those are most of the time where we're spending uh, where we're spending most of our time. 
we're doing a bit on the supply chain side as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we you know, have an investment company called Craft. It's kind of like a sub supplier intelligence uh, platform and another one called GuideWheel, uh, which is a I'm more on like the manufacturing end. So that's certainly a portion of, of where we will uh, continue to invest going forward. Love it. I mean, obviously, there is a big supply chain underneath uh, any of these uh, bucketed buzzwords of choice. So uh, great call out on that front. Maybe moving us forward here, I've written about it, you and I, too many phone calls talking about the need for sector focus and specialization to compete in today's wild VC market. So I guess the question to you, Brent, why is sector focus differentiation important, and especially in the nuances involved with some of these built world environments? And what, do you, what are the specific strengths you and Graycroft are leveraging to differentiate to founders uh, in these particular markets? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, like like our, you know, our prior conversations, um, you know, the market is moving extremely fast, right? Um, the time that, and this is purely speaking from like the, the venture standpoint, the time that you have to, to do diligence on a, on, a, on, a, on a company that you meet, uh, you know, even within kind of days beforehand, um, there's you know, these best in class founders that that round would be closed very quickly. Um, and so I think just off the bat, being able to understand what you were looking at um, and how uh, and, and, and how best to to invest uh, within that particular asset is, is something that's super important to us. Um, I think even beyond that, you know, at the end of the day, you need to be in a position to to help. Right. Um, I think they're. You know, there, there's a there's a lot of money out there, but um, our strategy has always been to get as as deep as we can uh, with the companies uh, that we you know that we have the opportunity to, to invest in, and frankly, be that first institutional check, right? And, and continue to uh, invest in in you know multiple rounds through the life cycle of that company, uh, and and for us to um, execute on on that sort of vision in terms of being that first institutional check. Um, we want to be the most value add partner that we can, um, and and to kind of get into that on a both sector by sector basis, but then you know kind of within that uh, within each thesis, um, there are kind of very thesis specific um, areas where we're value, and then there's kind of the general kind of Graycroft platform as well. Um, and so I'll start with the platform, and then kind of get into the uh, sure. the building space um, from a platform perspective. We've really designed uh, Graycroft over the years and kind of continuing to only, you know, disrupt our own model, really, um, to be as valuable off the bat as we can with the thought process of this being a very long term journey and relationship, uh, you know, with founders, not just, you know, for their first company, but for the second company and their third company and, and you know, what have you. Um, and and so kind of what we do, we have a full like onboarding program for our seed portfolio, everything from, you know, what documentation do you need to have from a compliance standpoint? How do you think about key man like insurance? How do you how do you start to think about crafting your own story and understanding what that go to market motion really looks like for your business at the seed stage? Um, and then we lean into that out of the seed practice as we get into kind of more earlier stage rounds. And what I mean by that is is we host 70, 75 plus um, uh, events a year, and we've been doing this for the last. Uh, you know, 10, 11 years or so. Um, all of these are very much so handcrafted around go-to-market. Um, and it's leaning into the areas, and this is kind of, we'll get, we'll get more thesis oriented, 
we, we lean into the, the companies, the incumbents in this space that can uh, not only be, you know, friendly, um, friendly eyes on, on, on your business and kind of give you that feedback from the market, but hopefully can be go-to-market partners and, um, and channel partners or, or eventually customers. And so we have a full, uh, fully fledged uh, business development team here internally um, that focus 100% of their time on developing those relationships. Um, and then you've kind of seen the the you know the the result of some of those relationships are you know we actually have a you know fifty million dollar uh, you know seed Series A fund that is backed by Albertsons um, in, in partnership with them and and really what that is is you know it's a lot of you know, Albertsons one of the largest retailers here in in the, in the states that own their own supply chain and distribution and what have you and so it, being able to have a multi year relationship. Um, to that sort of um, that that sort of level uh, has been really interesting just for us in terms of learning, uh, but obviously for you know portfolio companies that um, uh, you know that would love to have those sorts of conversations. Um, and you can you know have these these spaces. Hopefully, we're trying to create these spaces where um, these conversations can be had you know off the record. Um, you can have uh, and feel comfortable uh, you know being vulnerable with you know as a founder. Um, that's trying to build, you know, hopefully a big business. Um, and then on our end, um, trying to have, make sure that we have like the staff and the support uh, here internally to, to foster that growth. Yeah, re- really resonate with both your points. First, with the, the speed at which the market's moving, uh, I think some prior guests have used the term a prepared mind. If, if you haven't done the homework in advance, and to your point, Brent, some of the conversation you had in advance, I, I, I don't know how you can keep up with the pace. So love that. And, and the second part around really over-indexing on go-to-market, you, you and I know built world technology you know, deploying, it's usually not a technology issue. It's more of a, it's more of a business model and a go-to-market challenge. So founders listening out there, Greg Croft, um, they're experts at helping you drive that value. So maybe the the question I'd piggyback off of that, Brent, because you kind of mentioned seed and then early stage. Um, and then if I reference the Greg Croft website, full lifecycle investor, seed to growth, um, which is a great partner to have for obvious reasons. So my question there would be, is there a difference between being more generalist focused versus this discussion around thematic and specialist focused when you break it apart from maybe early stage investing and then later stage growth investing? Any, any difference there to you? Yeah, yeah. So so how we think about it is the, um, uh, and also kind of get into a little bit of the model of the funds as well. So from an early stage standpoint, um, you know, the goal is to be, you know, as specialist as we can, right, with within these specific theses, um, and, and we kind of covered the, the the reasons why there. Like as we move to the later stage perspective, right, we're looking for global, you know, category winners at that stage, um, given check size, given just the model of, of later stage investing. I think there's, I think you do see um, us lean a little bit more generalist there. Um, uh, a just to ensure that you know within any you know particular you know space there's there's only going to be a couple maybe one you know one two or, or three and hopefully we're you know fortunate enough to, to to partner with some of the folks that are at the top end of that um, and so yeah definitely I I do think that there is a leaning towards more generalist there our, our model um, for the later stage fund is that hopefully a third of their deals are actually coming out of our early stage business. Um, and so we are we are definitely very committed uh, to the continuity of support there. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. There's there's different things you're evaluating at that stage of the business, et cetera. 
Well, maybe the next question, Brent, uh, our audience loves talking about tech trends within this digital industrial ecosystem. So in a section I've come to coin what's hot and what's hype, let's discuss which built world themes are, are getting you the most excited that are ready for prime time now. And then also where, where you think there's maybe a lot of opportunity, but but a longer path to commercial readiness. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So um, there, there are kind of three um, three core areas that uh, that I'm super excited about, uh, you know, in this space. And I think uh, on the construction side, we, what we say is kind of software unlocking construction management. And like, really what that means is that kind of single pane of view, system of records, productized building, um, really going after the, the construction data problem. Um, uh, obviously, there's a huge siloed issue um, across all the different verticals and workflows. Uh, which we believe definitely limits the ability to collaborate and just kind of extract, you know, executable insights from the data. Super excited about that um, and have been and kind of leaning in uh, from that perspective, uh, you know, for a while. Um, outside of that, also spending a pretty considerable amount of time just trying to find companies that are more so focused on integrating uh, you know, different workflows across the general contractor. Um, we've uh, we ended up leaning into a, a company called OneBuild that's doing kind of cost estimation uh, for subcontractors, um, and uh, but an area that we have yet to kind of lean into is more so focused on the larger uh, general contractors out there and really kind of bringing their workflow all into um, all into one place. Um, and so, so those are some of the areas that we're super excited about. Maybe one additional area that also super excited about that have yet to um, um, kind of uh, you know, find a you know interesting partner with uh, has been on the building services and maintenance side. I, I think there's a huge um, you know amount of opportunity there. Um, you know the companies that are kind of operating in and around uh, kind of the walled gardens of you know Honeywell and, and Johnson and and, and Siemens and a few others, um, I think there's a, a pretty incredible opportunity to um, orchestrate what the uh, what the next generation of of buildings looks like um, as we move to you know hybrid working models. What does it mean to have strain and stress on 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 building uh, uh, materials and 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 and, uh, and maintenance and services? And so, super excited about that space as well. Yeah, all the digital exhaust, coin your term, that's um, getting spit out of these buildings now. It's a huge opportunity. Are, are there any areas that are, again, to use a term, really promising, but you think maybe have a longer tail toward commercial readiness that you're excited about, maybe a little bit longer to go before they hit the market? Yeah, um, I'd say one of the areas that uh, it's more of a more of a trend, um, and, and 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 again, like we're super focused on go to market, um, but it's going to be more on that end. And what I mean by that is we are, you know, obviously super excited about this space, but then all of the additional opportunities that you can layer on top of uh, that initial product, whether it be marketplaces or machine learning or fintech or robotics and what have you. Um, and so we've seen a number of companies that have chosen um, to dive specifically into these one of these layers uh, before having uh, kind of like that that core product that keeps the end customer in your you know uh, you know in, in the end customer's workflow rather in your business and in your product daily. 
Uh, so, for example, insurance being being one of those uh, where obviously insurance is compulsory. Um, there doesn't there's no insurance platform specifically, uh, you know, targeting uh, construction um, or subcontractors or what have you. You're working on someone's home. You're working on a large scale project. You obviously need to have that. And so we've seen a lot of folks that will um, build the insurance product first um, and then move move into the workflow. Um, and we've have, we have yet to see a uh, kind of more of a, a workflow product where you are ingesting someone's every day um, and getting that that really solid usage and then moving out towards these more kind of valuable layers. Um, and I think that there's a ton of opportunity there. It's just, um, you know, it's around timing, it's around finding like these one of these, you know, these unique kind of leverage points to build these these very valuable, uh, you know, layers on top of. And that's that's one area that um, we're really excited about, but haven't uh, haven't been able to kind of land a plane on from an investment standpoint. Well, all great trends and, and aligned to the evolution of these trends in the built world market. Um, maybe final question here around I'm passionate about this topic of exits and founders beginning with the end of mind as they capitalize their businesses within the built world ecosystem. You know, and in my opinion, I'll speak for myself. We're still in a relatively immature exit marker ecosystem, right? It's really great to see Procore listed now a Decacorn. They just scooped up level set for 500 million bucks. Sure. And then you and I can rattle off all the ones we know from history, plan grid, viewpoint, Aconex, honest buildings, building connected, but it's, it's still a pretty decent handful, but we've got a ways to go. So the question out of all this buildup about exits and, and beginning with into mine, how do you evaluate exit potential in the built world sector, given oftentimes there isn't a very mature exit comp to just benchmark against maybe some of the other industries we could comp it against. And, and then maybe on the back end of that, you know, for any doubters that don't think the movement's happening, what would be your response to those who propose it may be tough to make consistent outsized venture returns in the built world sector? Got it, got it. Um, yeah, so for your for your first question, um, so there's, there's two ways. We kind of have like a you know top down sort of analysis and then kind of bottoms up as well, right? Um, uh, and then <laughs> probably on top of that is trying to have as many direct conversations with the, you know, would-be buyers in this space um, to understand kind of how they're, um, you know, understand how they view, uh, you know, technology's opportunity, what they'll be building in-house, um, what they'll buy. And, and if we can kind of get a range for what that may look like, then, you know, all the better. Um, but in terms of a, like a, a, a bottoms-up analysis, it's really just trying to understand the dynamics of the product, who they're selling to, at what kind of velocity um, are they able to distribute that product, and what else they can sell to that end user. So we focus a lot on ARPU, um, and, uh, and, and whether that be in more of the classic sense of the word, uh, of, of, the, uh, of the term, um, or Brent, Brent, for our listeners out there, ARPU, average revenue per user, is that correct? Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. Exactly. So really trying to understand like what can you build on on top of the initial product to expand the TAM, right? Um, and then in terms of the, there's a couple other areas that we'll dig in there, but really trying to, you're either selling more product to, uh, you know, to the same unique set, or you're selling the same product more horizontally across um, across the uh, the value chain, um, in terms of the the, the top down uh, you know perspective, um, is really trying to understand you know 
especially as it relates to like more of like an IPO sort of uh, exit is, is kind of where do these companies trade? Like where do the large in companies trade? Um, what are they investing in? How does the market uh, value, you know, that, that investment um, and how they're, um, you know, trying to either close or close out like different areas within the product roadmap or, you know, potentially lean into a new, a completely new area uh, and expand the town themselves. We really try to keep our uh, finger on the pulse of what's happening, um, you know, within the, the largest companies in the space. Um, the for your uh, for your second question, you mind just repeating it one more time? Yeah, just uh, folks that have said it's hard to make consistent outsized returns in the built world ecosystem. Clearly, you guys are going going deep and putting putting your money where your mouth is. So, what would you say to those folks? Yeah. Yeah, um, I think the 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 built world ecosystem is extremely broad, right? When we when we talked about um, you know spinning up a, a very specific focus here initially, uh, it was it was definitely around hey can we can we drive the type of returns that um, that uh, you know that would hopefully you know project us to be best in class um, amongst you know our peers and in this space um, a uh, b is there enough opportunity within this space to build multiple, you know, $10 billion plus software businesses? Uh, and I think one of the interesting, uh, you know, things and about, uh, about this space, which makes me like extremely excited, is that there is enough, it's very, it's large enough where horizontal software is applicable, but it's only applicable within this particular vertical, if that makes sense. Right. So your 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 large kind of vertical software businesses can can definitely be built. But from like the the size and scale of the design uh, and uh, materials manufacturers, tooling all the way through the Autodesk's and Oracle's of the world, through your large general contractors, Turner, DPR, um, you know, Johnson controls from the building side. I mean, it's the amount of revenue. Um, that uh that is driven within this particular space i i just you know i'm obviously biased but i just don't see how um how it couldn't be attractive right the, um, a ton of revenue market cap is just absolutely enormous um so super super excited about you know this particular space yeah no just complete alignment with you the spend the market cap the gdp alone as you defined built world is a very broad way of looking at the world it, again we're, we're both biased to it so um i think the clear answer from both of us is get get in now before you miss the opportunity and i loved your point at the end of the day just go ask the customer um and i was at you mentioned dpr is at a built world summit not too long ago and, and dpr was on the stage talking about their top 10 tech trends right and maybe three, four years ago, those were just slides with you know the, the buzzwords of the day of this technology or the other. Every single one of them that the DPR board member was talking about was actual job site imagery of them using those different innovative tools. So um, I guess the point you're making is just go ask the customers. It, it is happening very, very fast. So ex exciting for our ecosystem, no doubt. Definitely, definitely exciting. And if you look at, I mean, a lot of these from, I mean, DPR is obviously an amazing team. Um, you look at, Tremble, you look at Johnson, you look at, you know, obviously Asa Abloy and everything that they've been doing. Um, the, the, not only are these folks leaning into the space, um, in many cases have their own sort of like innovation program or way that they're engaging 
um, startups and, and, and early stage founders, but even in addition to that, I- investing, uh, and in some cases off the balance sheet, in other cases, a, a committed fund, um, which is just, you know, just from a, a signal uh, mm-hmm. perspective, I, you know, I think it's very, very interesting um, time to be, you know, involved uh, and super excited to just be a, you know, a, a small player, but to be um, in and around this ecosystem. Right on. Well, we always love to bring it back to the founders and, and give them some words of wisdom as they're raising venture capital. So what gets you excited about early stage companies approach, approaching you at Graycroft? And, and maybe we always like to split it apart, keys to success for them, and then any common challenges you can head off for them to avoid as they enter the discussion. Yeah, um, keys to success. Um, I would say I'm always super excited about um, you know a, a well laid out vision, right? Like having a very clear vision for hey this is in 10 years you know under under great success this is where we want to be Um, and based on that this is what we're doing today to help us get there Um, and and really understanding um, almost like in a in a kind of maniacal fashion um, what needs to be built um, and and where you know where you need help uh, as well it's like it's probably one of the first areas i would say Um, the second one is, is when especially when it comes to fundraising really positioning yourself to and in your story to to kind of control that. And what I mean by that is like you, you definitely run into companies with awesome products, amazing founders, um, and the storyline is a bit early, meaning, hey, we're, you know, we're in, in a couple different POCs. We're, you know, building with maybe one or two customers and the, and the round size kind of outpaces where they are um, currently. Um, so I say maybe that's more on the on the pitfall side, like kind of what to what to avoid um, is just really trying to understand kind of you want to go out to market as with the best possible position and and leverage as you can. It's like this asset that is doing extraordinarily well, this product that people love, referenceable customers um, and, um, and 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 you know, being able to, uh, you know, find partners that are going to not only believe in, in, in you and the business, but really share the vision. Um, and I think the more that founders can do that, uh, the more success they'll have. Um, uh, the, the last area that I would talk to, uh, at least on the keys to success, um, is developing long-term relationships with, uh, with venture funds. Um, it, you know, whether the, you know, your pre-seed business and you know, maybe you're talking to a Series A firm or what have you, uh, the more you can um, get to know them and have them get to know you, uh, you know, this is a people business at the end of the day. And um, the more you can develop those long-term relationships, they will, they will be extraordinarily helpful, whether or not that, that firm invests. No question. Yeah, the, the shotgun marriages that are going on, I'm, I'm very open that I'm with you. We need to be building this relationship out long before it's fundraising time. And, and to all the value that your platform is trying to drive, I'm telling founders, put the investors to work long before they're on your cap table. That way you you know if there's a good partnership there um, out ahead of things. So all great advice. And so, Brent, we always like to wrap up uh, the show with a section we call Quick Hitters, a little bit of rapid fire Q&A. So if you're ready, we'll jump in. Yeah, of course. All right. What is the number one thing you are looking for when you're evaluating an earlier stage founder in this category? Okay. So obviously it's all about the talent first. Right. Um, so team, 100 percent outside of team, spend a lot of time under trying to understand go to market, especially in this space. There's a you know, there's a lot of kind of large at times, slow moving customers 
here. So defining that repeatable go-to-market, high-velocity motion is, is super important to us. Love it. One resource, book, podcast, blog, whatever it is you'd recommend our audience to follow in the ecosystem. I would actually say, it, so it's a group. So I'm a, I'm a part of the kind of the Bay Area Society for Construction. Um, mm -hmm. and, and really what this is, I was invited, uh, uh, kind of told about it by, by a founder about a year or two ago. Um, but I love it. It's a, it's a group that meets, I think, once a quarter, um, several players in the built world ecosystem, large AEC firms, GC startups, um, you know, just construction evangelists, um, and even outside of construction as well. Um, and, and of course, venture firms. And it's just about learning, um, coming together, um, you know, talking a little bit about you and your background, maybe presenting a product, um, and really just trying to to network um, and, and build community. And, and it's been super valuable uh, to be a part of that. Right on. Community is everything. That's a great one right there. Um, one person who should be on the podcast. Sean Cooley. So he's uh, he's the founder, CEO of Mapped. Absolutely amazing speaker. Um, extreme kind of deep expertise in this space. He actually spent, spent some time at Symantec and then after that uh, was CTO of, uh, of Cisco's IoT business. Um, and so now building a data infrastructure for buildings product. Um, and so definitely one of the folks, you know, at the cross-section of buildings and data, uh, you know, both in industrial and commercial space, he's one of the best people to, uh, to know there. Seems right up your alley for sure. And, and finally, Brent, best way for folks to reach out to you. Yeah, um, more than having super excited to connect with folks, um, either LinkedIn or uh, feel free to just email me directly. Simple, simple uh, email syntax. It's just my first name, Brent, at uh, with two T's at graycroft.com. Awesome. Well, I don't think almost it seems like a daily, let alone a weekly event. Now the built world ecosystem has some massive news and it's not all about the capital markets, but the impact that's being driven into some of these environments um, to your comments earlier, uh, it has to happen and, uh, it's a fun time to be investing in the category right now. So Brent, thanks for jumping on the heavy hitters. Awesome. Thanks so much, Ty. I really appreciate it.